Recommendations on Pre-Hospital and Early Hospital Management of Acute Heart Failure, a consensus paper from the Heart Failure Association of the European Society of Cardiology, the European Society of Emergency Medicine, and the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine, short version. Mebaza and others, European Heart Journal, 2015. Despite several critical steps forward in the management of chronic heart failure, the area of acute heart failure has remained relatively stagnant. As stated in the updated ESCHF guidelines, clinicians responsible for managing patients with acute heart failure must frequently make treatment decisions without adequate evidence, usually on the basis of expert opinion consensus. Specifically, the treatment of acute heart failure remains largely opinion-based with little good evidence to guide therapy. Acute heart failure is a syndrome in which emergency physicians, cardiologists, intensivists, nurses and other healthcare providers have to cooperate to provide rapid benefit to the patients. We hereby would like to underscore the wider experience grow in different settings of the area of intensive care on acute heart failure. Actually, larger and more composite than that got in specialized care units. The distillate of such different experiences is discussed and integrated in the present document. Hence, the authors of this consensus paper believe a common working definition of acute heart failure covering all dimensions and modes of presentations has to be made, with the understanding that most acute heart failure presentations are either acute decompensation of chronic underlying heart failure or the abrupt onset of dyspnea associated with significantly elevated blood pressure. Secondly, recent data show that, much like acute coronary syndrome, acute heart failure might have a time-to-therapy concept accordingly. Pre-hospital management is considered a critical component of care. Thirdly, most patients with acute heart failure have normal or high blood pressure at presentation and are admitted with symptoms and or signs of congestion. This is in contradiction to the presentation where low cardiac output leads to symptomatic hypotension and signs or symptoms of hypoperfusion, a circumstance that is relatively rare, present in coronary care unit, intensive care unit, but associated with a particularly poor outcome. Hence, it is important to note that appropriate therapy requires appropriate identification of the specific acute heart failure phenotype. The aim of the current paper is not to replace guidelines, but to provide contemporary perspective for early hospital management within the context of the most recent data and to provide guidance based on expert opinions to participating physicians and other healthcare professionals. We believe that the experience accrued in the different settings from the emergency department through to the ICU or CCU is collectible, valuable in determining how best to manage the patients with acute heart failure. Herein, a shortened version mainly include group recommendations is provided. Full version of the consensus paper is provided as supplementary material online. Definition and epidemiology of acute heart failure. Acute heart failure is the term used to describe the rapid onset of or acute worsening of symptoms and signs of heart failure associated with elevated plasma levels of natriuretic peptides. It is a life-threatening condition that requires immediate medical attention and usually leads to urgent hospital admission. Most of the patients with acute heart failure present with normal or high blood pressure and with symptoms and or signs of congestion rather than low cardiac output. Pre-hospital and early management strategies in acute heart failure. 
As for acute coronary syndrome, the time to treatment concept may be important in patients with acute heart failure. Hence, all acute heart failure patients should receive appropriate therapy as early as possible. In the pre-hospital setting, acute heart failure patients should benefit from non-invasive monitoring, including pulse oximetry, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and a continuous ECG instituted within minutes of patient's contact in the ambulance if possible. Oxygen therapy given based on clinical judgment unless oxygen saturation below 90%, in which case oxygen therapy should be routinely administered. Non-invasive ventilation in patients with respiratory distress. Medical treatment should be initiated based on blood pressure and or the degree of congestion using vasodilators and or diuretics, i.e. furosemide. Rapid transfer to the nearest hospital preferably to a site with a cardiology department and or CCU or ICU. Initial clinical evaluation and investigations at arrival in the emergency department, coronary care unit or intensive care unit. In the initial evaluation of suspected acute heart failure excluding cardiogenic shock, the critical first step is determination of the severity of cardiopulmonary instability based on the level of dyspnea, hemodynamic status and heart rhythm. To facilitate this, results of the following assessments should be recorded. Objective measurement of dyspnea severity including the respiratory rate, intolerance of the supine position, effort of breathing and degree of hypoxia, systolic and diastolic blood pressure, heart rate and rhythm, objective determination of body temperature and signs or symptoms of hypoperfusion, cool extremities, narrow pulse pressure, mental status. The next step should include a search for congestion, including peripheral edema, audible rails, especially in the absence of fever, and elevated jugular venous pressure. Additional testing that may be useful includes ECG, recognizing that in acute heart failure this is rarely normal and rarely diagnostic, but necessary to exclude ST segment elevation myocardial infarction. Laboratory tests. Bedside thoracic ultrasound for signs of interstitial edema and abdominal ultrasound for inferior venicable diameter if expertise is available. Chest x-ray to rule out alternative causes of dyspnea, though in nearly 20% of patients it may be normal, limiting overall sensitivity. Immediate echocardiography is not needed during the initial evaluation in most cases, except when hemodynamic instability is present. However, Echocardiography is needed after stabilization, especially with de novo disease. Urinary catheterization should be avoided unless the benefits outweigh the risks of infection and longer-term complications related to continence. Laboratory tests at presentation. Upon presentation to the ED or CCU slash ICU, a plasma natriuretic peptide level, BMP, NT, pro-BMP, or MR-PRO-AMP should be measured in all patients with acute dyspnea and suspected AHF, ideally using a point-of-care assay to help in the differentiation of AHF from non-cardiac causes of acute dyspnea. The following laboratory assessments should be performed at admission in the blood of all AHF patients, troponin, BUN or urea, creatinine, electrolytes, glucose and complete blood count. D-dimer is indicated in patients with suspicion of acute pulmonary embolism. Routine arterial blood gas is not needed, however, arterial blood gas may be useful when a precise measurement of oxygen and carbon dioxide partial pressures is needed. Venous sample might acceptably indicate pH and carbon dioxide. Role of nursing management in acute heart failure. Specific consideration of nursing management include 
triage to appropriate environment for safe clinical care, objective monitoring for change in signs and symptoms suggestive of response to treatment, discharge planning and referral to multidisciplinary disease management program. Anxiety of the patient should be addressed by promptly answering questions and providing clear information to the patient and family. Relevant changes in clinical status should be promptly addressed and communicated to the physician. Effective and consistent communication should be maintained with the patient and or family. Oxygen therapy and or ventilatory support. Oxygenation should be monitored with pulse oximetry SpO2. Acid-base balance complementing SpO2 monitoring should be obtained on admission, especially in patients with acute pulmonary edema or previous history of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease using venous blood or especially in patients with cardiogenic shock through the arterial line. Oxygen therapy should be considered in patients with acute heart failure having SpO2 less than 90%. Non-invasive ventilation in IV is indicated in patients with respiratory distress and should be started as soon as possible. Non-invasive ventilation decreases respiratory distress and also reduces the rate of mechanical endotracheal intubation. Early administration of intravenous diuretics and vasodilators. Initially, 20 to 40 mg intravenous furosemide can be considered in all acute heart failure patients. In cases of volume overload, intravenous diuretic dose should be tailored to the type of acute heart failure. De novo with lower dose than exacerbation of chronic heart failure. When systolic blood pressure is normal to high above 110 mm mercury, intravenous vasodilator therapy might be given for symptomatic relief as an initial therapy. Alternatively, sublingual nitrates may be considered. Drugs to be used cautiously in acute heart failure, excluding cardiogenic shock. Routine use of opioids in acute heart failure patient is not recommended. There is only a very limited space for sympathomimetics or vasopressors in patients with acute heart failure, excluding cardiogenic shock. They should be reserved for patients who have persistent signs of hypoperfusion despite adequate filling status. Management of evidence-based oral therapies. In case of decompensation of chronic heart failure, every attempt should be made to continue evidence-based disease-modifying oral therapies in patients with acute heart failure. In the case of de novo heart failure, every attempt should be made to initiate these therapies after hemodynamic stabilization. Discharge from emergency department. Clinical condition can change dramatically within a few hours of ED arrival. Hence, clinical response to initial treatment is an important indicator of likely disposition. Indicators of good response to initial therapy that might be considered in discharge include patient reported subjective improvement, resting HR below 100 beat per minute, no hypertension when standing up, adequate urine output, oxygen saturation above 95% in room air, no or moderate worsening of renal function, chronic renal disease might be present, fast track discharge from ED should be considered in hospitals with chronic disease management programs, once the trigger for decompensation has been identified and early management commenced. Patients with de novo acute heart failure should not be discharged home from ED. Criteria for hospitalization in ward versus intensive care unit slash coronary care unit. Patients with significant dyspnea or hemodynamic instability should be triaged to a location where immediate resuscitative support can be provided if needed. Patients admitted to hospital with acute heart failure should be looked after by doctors and nurses with specialist knowledge and expertise. 
for high-risk patients, initial care should be provided in a high-dependency setting, coronary care unit, slash cardiac care unit. Patients with acute heart failure and associated acute coronary syndrome should be referred to CCU. Clinical risk algorithms developed to predict the in-hospital mortality of patients admitted with acute heart failure can assist in determining which patients in the ED need the highest level of inpatient care. An ED-specific algorithm may further improve risk assessment compared with prior methods developed in patients admitted with acute heart failure. The criteria for triage at admission for ICU include respiratory rate above 25, saturation below 90%, use of accessory muscles for breathing, systolic blood pressure below 90 mm Need for intubation or already intubated or signs of hyperperfusion, oliguria, cold peripheries, altered mental state, lactate above 2 millimole per litre, metabolic acidosis, SVO2 below 65% are also indicators for ICU referral. For those who are admitted to ICU slash CCU, subsequent care should be on a cardiology ward if possible. Hospitals should have an acute heart failure pathway so all patients have access to cardiology advice. Monitoring in the hospital. Patients should be weighed daily and have an accurate fluid balance chart completed. Standard non-invasive monitoring of pulse, respiratory rate and blood pressure should be performed. Renal function and electrolytes should be measured daily. Pre-discharge measurement of natriuretic peptide is useful for post-discharge planning. Criteria for discharge from the hospital and follow-up in high-risk period. Patients admitted with acute heart failure are medically fit for discharge when hemodynamically stable, uvulimic, established on evidence-based oral medication and with stable renal function for at least 24 hours before discharge. Once provided with tailored education and advice about self-care, patients should be enrolled in a disease management program seen by their general practitioner within one week of discharge seen by hospital cardiology team within two weeks of discharge if feasible. Patients with chronic heart failure should be followed up within a multi-professional heart failure service. Definition, initial management and monitoring of cardiogenic shock including device therapy. Cardiogenic shock is defined as hypertension, systolic blood pressure below 90 millimeter mercury despite adequate filling status and signs of hypoperfusion, oliguria, cold peripheries, altered mental status, lactate above 2 millimole per litre, metabolic acidosis, SVO2 below 65%. A patient with suspected cardiogenic shock, CS, should undergo immediate assessment. ECG and echocardiography are required immediately in all patients with suspected CS. Invasive monitoring with arterial line is needed. There is no agreement on optimum method of hemodynamic monitoring in assessing and treating the patients in CS, including pulmonary artery catheter. Fluid challenge, saline or ringer lactate above 200 milliliters every 15 to 30 minutes is recommended as the first line treatment if there is no sign of overt fluid overload. Dobutamine may be used to increase cardiac output. Levosimindan may be considered, especially in chronic heart failure patients, on oral beta blockade. Vasopressors should only be used if there is a strict need to maintain systolic blood pressure in the presence of persistent hyperperfusion. If needed, norepinephrine is recommended over dopamine. All CS should be rapidly transferred to tertiary care center, which has 24-7 service of cardiac catheterization and a dedicated ICU with availability of short-term mechanical circulatory support. Intraortic balloon pump is not routinely recommended in CS. 
short-term mechanical circulatory support may be considered in refractory CS depending on patient age, comorbidities and neurological function. Based on current evidence, we do not recommend one mode of short-term circulatory support over another. Gaps in knowledge and perspectives. In acute heart failure, there are several areas which require further investigation. The use of biomarkers in risk stratification and to guide treatment, which are the most important signs of severity and which are the best measures of efficacy need more extensive study. There is still a need to better delineate exactly what constitutes clinical improvement with acute therapy, types of rehospitalizations and mortality both short term and long term. There is also an appealing concept of home visit by HF teams to avoid or decrease ED visits and hospitalizations. Recent phase 3 or 4 investigations have offered future promise in clinical management of acute heart failure. These include RELAX AHF seroloxine, atomic AHF trial, omicativ micarbil, pronto clividipine, true AHF, ARTS HF trials. Supplementary material. Supplementary material is available at European Heart Journal online. Thank you for listening. Thank you.